Right, welcome back. Welcome in the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Back with you this week. I'm Ryan Bauer, your host. With me, Corey Jason and John Pauline. Welcome in, guys. We're going to talk about our Outsiders of the Week, game picks, the NFL regular season moving right along. It's at that point where in these primetime games, even the earlier slate, the announcers, the broadcast team are just going to be showing you the playoff picture and what were the results one way or the other of each of these games will mean, where teams will shift. So every game really matters from this point on, whether you win or lose, it will have an effect on those playoff seedings. And we're going to take a look. We're bringing back hot seat versus hot streak in a little bit different format this week. We're going to kind of look at each kind of subsection, the upper teams of each conference, those teams down in the wild card hunt, whether they're in the playoffs or just on the outside looking in. But first, you know, we got to start Corey's favorite 60 seconds of the week, man. Got to make his day. Got to make his week. Colt Report Weekly, and I'm proud to say it was another dub for the Indianapolis Colts as they are now up to the sixth seed in those AFC playoffs. We're not stopping there, though, right? We're not stopping there. I'll tell you what. We're going to talk more about the Colts later, spoiler alert, outside of Colt Report Weekly, but I don't think they've hit their ceiling yet. But it was a big overtime win against the Titans. The Alec Pierce breakout game that uh, a friend of mine – confidently drafted Alec Pierce late in fantasy saying, I just have a feeling about him this year. It took a little while to hit, but I'm, I'm glad we saw it. Come back to Pittman's points. <laughs> oh, Pittman still got his. He needed it all. He needed it all. We needed a 40 burger from Pittman, but no, I mean, the Colts rolled. I mean, I, I said in our pre-show meeting, I mean, we got the Titans special teams coordinator fired because we blocked two of their punts. You committed a murder on the field. Straight <laughs> up guys homicide. Come on. It's not the worst one you've ever seen. No, it's not, but it was the funniest. <laughs> you got yeah. year old Nick Folk having a punt. Yeah, and like, Ryan Tannehill came back on the field, but just to hold for an extra point, which they missed. He didn't even hold it bad, too. Yeah, yeah that was more on the kicker than anything, but yeah, it was heard footsteps. It was a sweep of the Titans for the Indianapolis Colts. They move up to seven and five. And some other news this week. Shaq Leonard, who we just released a few weeks ago, signs with John's Philadelphia Eagles. The decision was made. Everyone was waiting for it, like LeBron. Leonard's <laughs> gonna take his uh, talents to the city of brotherly love and maybe they have a good linebacker. I hope to see him come back to the maniac form. I really do. That'd be nice to see. And the Eagles definitely need the help after that just abysmal game against the Niners. <laughs> but he's not particularly good at any one aspect of being a linebacker, right? He's not a great pass rusher. He like, But he's not like extremely good in coverage either. I'm just not sure what he's going to bring to the table. His, his greatest thing was just having a nose for the ball. I mean, he, he perfected the peanut punch out of forcing fumbles. He had the interceptions. He had the sacks at different years in his career. We've never seen one, you know, completely dominant season where he had 10 sacks, five interceptions. I mean, but he is a true, like, he could do it all. It, it, it Injuries just really derailed him the last couple of years. And then other guys like Zaire Franklin stepping up for our defense, that's what really led to us cutting ties with him. Sirianni was with the Colts, so definitely some familiarity there in the scheme and the system they'll be running. So, and the decision between Eagles and Dallas with who Leonard was going to sign with, they play each other this week. So the stakes are going to be there right off the bat. But I said, we're going to talk about the Colts. So let's get in this hot streak versus hot seat. So of all the teams in the NFL, 
three of them are tied for the longest active win streak. The 49ers, who are dominating teams, whether they're good or bad. Dallas, dominating teams, if they're bad. And then the Colts, are they're there too on a four-game win streak. What are they doing? Who are they they're, dominating? They're, I wouldn't even say they're dominating, but I... <laughs> They beat the Panthers, the Patriots, the Bucks, and now the Titans. So it's not an inspiring list of of other teams that they've beaten. Wins are wins. Wins are wins. You know, if all you did was play bad teams, we'd have more undefeated teams, I think, in the NFL. But here they are, four-game win streak in the thick of the playoff hunt. And in deciding what teams exactly we're going to talk about, because Pittsburgh's right there, but now they lose Kenny Pickett. And their defense is still awesome, but the offense, even after firing Matt Canada, is not still not very good. Now it's going to get worse. Stop the game on Sunday for like an hour. Yeah, yeah, because of weather, bad weather. I mean, I don't know how far you guys are from Pittsburgh. Probably a few hours, right? Yeah, like five. five I asked my sister who lives up there, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't know why the weather's fine." She's like it's, something popped up on the like radar. It, maybe maybe like lightning over there, but like I think that's what it was. There was like I think nothing. it was like a, it was some sort of weather delay. It I was saw, like well, they kept saying weather like delay. They wouldn't specify rain, lightning, sleet, hail, snowstorm, tornado. I think they, they were just trying what? to get them a a chance to recover. They got blown out by Arizona. That's not a good look. No, it's not. Uh, so, yeah, Mitch Trubisky is going to be their quarterback. But Cleveland, too. I mean, they trotted out Joe Flacco at quarterback this past week. So there's some concerns there with these other teams currently in the playoffs. The Bengals had a big upset win over Jacksonville. And then Houston outlasted the Denver Broncos. So Denver, you know, they were surging a little bit. Now that all sort of all their momentum kind of gone in a second here. It's Houston and Indianapolis that are both, I think, on the up and up. And with Jacksonville's loss, all right, Houston and Indianapolis both seven and five, Jacksonville eight and four, they may be without Trevor Lawrence now for an extended period. And of time. uh Christian Kirk, right? And Christian Kirk. So the good thing for the Jaguars is they already swept the Colts. And I believe they split with Houston. So I don't know what the next tiebreaker is there, but for Jacksonville, you need to keep that pace. But Indianapolis on that four-game win streak and Houston, a hot team throughout the year, they've already over-delivered on expectations for 2023. So what is it more so about the Colts already currently in the playoff picture, but Houston certainly, I think, in position. Could we see this Week 18 matchup between these two teams get that Sunday night flex? This could end up being for the division, let alone a wild-card spot. Absolutely. And I think one thing going in the Colts' favor is Tank Dell's done. And he, along with Stroud, you know, had a breath of life into this Texans offense. And I just don't think Nico Collins or Schultz or really anybody there could kind of replicate what Dell was doing. They're good, but they're not the guy good like Dell was. On the Colts side of the ball, though, they're three and two in the division. They need to win that week 18 matchup because three and three in the division doesn't seem like it's going to get you any tiebreakers. If there's a three-way tie or wherever it is, you need to have that winning edge. And with the other teams not having played five games in the division, the Colts are kind of behind on that. I mean, obviously it's going to be a good matchup. I mean, like, I don't see why it wouldn't get flexed because like, it's not like you're going to get like 
you know, a Patriots versus a Jets kind of game <laughs> or something like that. Like these are, they're going to put points up. They're going to score. It's going to be an actual like, you know, game that you're going to want to watch. Plus, I don't know if I agree. I mean, the Texans still have what Nico Collins and he's still pretty, they he's do, still good. He's no Dell. You know what I mean? I get it. I get it. But you know, he's, he still is, he still is pretty good in the year. I think he has like almost a thousand yards on, on the season already. So I, I mean, he's definitely a go-to guy for Shroud there. And then you look at the Colts. I mean, I mean, how long is is how long is um Jonathan Taylor going to be out? Because they're they're without him now for what at least two games. At least was he two performing more. well when he, he was, was back? He was mm-hmm. he was back. JT was back. What does this mean though for Richardson? Like, if the Colts are doing so well without Richardson, do you think this was that the gap year that he kind of needed to develop, or do you think they would be better off if he didn't get hurt and he was here? I think they'd be in the same position, honestly. I think they maybe, you know, a game that they lost along the way, I think maybe they would have won. Like, I think Minshew can move the pocket around, but I think Richardson's just so mobile. He would have ran away from Miles Garrett a little more and made that Browns game a little more decisive in our favor and avoided that officiating mess at the end. Then you have some other games where it's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we would games we did win with Gardner. Maybe we would have lost, you know, if we go to overtime against Tennessee, Richardson's a little less experienced, obviously than Minshew. Maybe that poise isn't there that you like to see, even though he did look more poised than many thought, but I think it's a situation like that. I think we'd still be somewhere right where we are now in the thick of things though. But that, uh, that week 18 matchup, it definitely, is starting to look pretty good on paper between the Colts and the Texans, especially you have two coach of the year candidates. I think we've talked about D'Amico Ryans, but Shane Steichen should certainly start being pushed into that conversation more, especially because he's doing the same things Houston's doing, but without Anthony Richardson, without Jonathan Taylor, most of the year, Grover Stewart, a big time interior defensive lineman that we lost to a suspension. He's going to be back this week. He's getting a lot more, I think working with less or less than what was initially planned to be in that starting lineup. And don't forget last year, these teams met in week 18 that ended up being a thriller, which shifted the top of the draft position up and allowed the Texans to make their decisions. Shroud, go get Will Anderson and for the Colts to get Anthony Richardson and get Chicago that one spot where, you know, that landed Bryce young over in Carolina. Then so butterfly effect there last year, week 18 could have big implications for this year, week 18. But up at the top of this conference, right now Miami's sitting in the one seed. Baltimore had a bye week this past week. We talked about Jacksonville. They had the upsetting loss in overtime to the Bengals on Monday night. Could be without Trevor Lawrence, so they're pretty vulnerable. But Kansas City's, they're the other team, and it feels kind of weird to say that. They're the other team at the top of this conference, and they've lost some close games in recent weeks. To Green Bay this past Sunday night, to Philly a couple weeks ago. They have a big matchup with Buffalo this upcoming week. That I mean, if Kansas City loses, that puts Buffalo back into the playoff hunt. And that almost all but takes Kansas City not completely out of the running for the top seed in that bye week, but they're really behind the eight ball then behind Baltimore and Miami. Meanwhile, Kansas City wins, they're right back in it. Buffalo, maybe we could almost officially put a fork in them. But for Kansas City, the concern was the receiving core, and Rasheed Rice has looked pretty good this year, but 
outside of that, this offense hasn't totally looked the same. It's been a different vibe totally in Kansas City. The offense has taken a bit of a step back, but the defense is up. But what's keeping Kansas City from that year-to-year dominance we've sort of gotten used to in recent years? I think it just goes to the mediocrity of the whole league. I, I'm not worried about Kansas City because when you get to the playoffs, I think experience is going to win out over everything else. I don't think there's any one team in the AFC, at least, that's miles better than Kansas City is now, where I think come January, Kansas City is going to be okay because they've been there before. But it's tough. I don't understand what's wrong with them. Maybe it is because this is Enemy's first year gone, right? Did the enemy have that special something that was making that offense go? We haven't seen that happen before when Kansas City's lost their offensive guys like Matt Nagy a few years ago, Mike Kafka, who's the quarterback's coach, and some other guys. We haven't seen that kind of dip. But their receivers aren't good. Rashi Rice is, you know, coming into his own, but Sky Moore was a wasted pick. They got Kadarius Tony and Richie James and even – Taysom Hill has had more fantasy points than Travis Kelsey over the last month and a half. That's not good. There's something wrong there, but I I fully believe Kansas City is going to figure it out. But they're sitting at eight wins. They can lose a couple more games and be staring, you know, 500, slightly above 500 in the phase if things don't correct quick. You know, Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. Would be a heck of a time for him to get his first. I mean, that just shows how dominant, like, they've been – since he was their quarterback. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, I have to agree with you at the playoffs. I think, you know, they had the experience. I mean, Andy Reid is a good coach, going to be a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, if anyone can get him through this patch into the playoffs, it's him, obviously. But, I mean, I think what's wrong with him, I mean, I think it comes down to I think they just kind of, like, you know, just swung and missed on a lot of receivers. I mean, I think they were hoping that some of these guys were going to be, you know, the guy kind of come in and be that, you know, Tyree Kill type of receiver again. You're, you know, that go-to, go-to guy that you just kind of, you know, you throw it up, he's going to be down there somewhere. And they don't really have anyone that. I mean, Rashid Rice can very well develop into that guy and stuff. But, like, right now, I think they're kind of spreading the ball around, seeing, you know, who does what and stuff. But, like, I'll tell you this year, like, Patrick Holmes just does not look that great. I mean, I feel like I look at my fantasy thing and he's almost like guaranteed to have like a one to two picks every single week. It, it's like, I, I think there was only like, a, there's this feels like there was only like two or three games where he didn't throw a pick. And then, and it seems like Travis Kelsey's productions have gone way, way, way down. I don't know what you want to blame that on. Mahomes is fourth in the league in picks. If that, uh, that, that, helped. that that's insane. I mean, that just proves it seems like he's an interception pick. Tied with Jalen Hurts and Josh Dobbs and Tua and Jordan Love. I mean, there's some quarterbacks out there that you would consider really good and stuff. I mean, but I mean, I guess, I mean, when Peyton Manning was in the league, I mean, he threw a ton of interceptions <laughs> too and stuff. But I mean, that just means you're passing the ball a lot sometimes. You're throwing it up a lot. Sam Howell leads the league in interceptions. Leads the league in passing yards too, right? Or at least did. No, he still does. He, he leads the league, the league in, in my heart yards. too. Yeah, I mean, Stroud overtook him. I've probably bound to happen. Stroud is just, he's slinging it. Maybe that might slow down with losing, losing Dell, but we'll see. But I mean, the Chiefs, I think it's just a little rough patch. I think they can maneuver themselves through this and 
I don't think they're in any danger of like getting knocked out of the playoffs or not making it at all. And most likely when they go in the playoffs, they'll probably make a pretty deep run just because they've been there. You know, coach has ever been there and stuff. And that goes a long way in sports, like in any sport, like experience always seems to, you know, you know, triumph over some, maybe some like, you know, like younger teams that are, you know, doing good. So I think something to worry about, but they are going through a little rough patch. I think just some, this is a, a pothole in the road for Kansas city. We've seen this from them before. I remember a couple of years ago, they, they lost to the Titans in Nashville and then didn't lose a game since that was uh, like around this time. Maybe it was a little more in November and then they went on a run and, and really started to figure things out. But let's go over to the NFC. Now, another top team over there, the Philadelphia Eagles, they've been flirting with disaster the last couple of weeks and disaster finally struck. When San Francisco came into town, backed up the trash talk, and walked out with a win. Can you say steamroll? You could say steamroll. Yeah, I, mean, I can just say deboat. I think <laughs> you we should did start... get deboat. I think that should become a full time verb. Get deboat. Basically like means lost. get wrecked, but much more uh, <laughs> specific. Style. Yeah, in style. Stylized. In various ways, too. Rushing, receiving. Debo's just awesome. Punching the security guard in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you guys want to talk about that quick? I think Corey does. <laughs> Corey, I'll give you I'll give you 60 seconds. Say what you want about that incident. Big Dom should be banned for life from football. No way that you are on the field on that sideline and you touch a player. Debo should be allowed to take pot shots at him left and right, left hook, right hook, knock his teeth out. I don't care. He can't touch a player. Who is he defending? If you're saying that he's there to defend the sideline from the players, that just means you are soft, that the Eagles are soft. And the Eagles have proven time and time again that they are the most fragile team in the league. They have a lot of guys. I mean, you, you saw, was it Jalen Carter crying on the field? And then when the Eagle fans called him out on it, he talked about money and how, you know, they're just poor. You know how they need to get their lives together. Meanwhile, he was sitting in court for being an accessory to basically murder when he did drag racing after the national championship, right? Where somebody died because he decided he wanted a race. Talk about getting your life together. Dom should be banned from the league. The league is investigating it. Heavy penalties are going to come to Dom. And they said the Eagles, this guy's title is assistant to the general manager and head of security. That is, I don't want to say, you know, Sopranos-esque, no-show job type deal. But, you know, the area that we live in is known for that type of uh, stereotype. And Dom does fit that stereotype. He should, I mean, I understand why he's the most popular man in Philly, but he should be the most banned from the link man in Philly. He should not be allowed near an NFL team. He should be fired from his job because he didn't, he isn't doing security. He's doing the opposite of security. He touched somebody that shouldn't have been touching. He should have been protecting. Who cares if it's the other team? Get him out of here. Dom for prison. You feel better? I can't even defend it. Not until Dom gets banned for life. <laughs> Not until results are, are seen. Well, let's talk about the results on the fields for Philadelphia. Obviously, we hope to see the Shaq Leonard signing work out. At least John and I do. But it's needed because the defense has been a disappointment this year. The secondary, especially. Yeah. And it, I I was surprised. You look like at the names. Their struggles. Yeah. But you Slay, look at the Bradbury, names on the secondary. Fired. And 
you think it's like the exact opposite of what the names say but it's like i don't know maybe though maybe they're starting to fall off their game they're not as good as they once were look at the names that they lost you know cj gardner johnson tremaine edmonds oh they lost like three line jonathan gannon james (laughs) dykin we lost i think that we said coming into the year they're going to hurt from losing Steichen more than Gannon. I think it's been the opposite. Uh, the offense hasn't been rolling as much, but they've still at times been very dominant, very explosive. Yeah. It's the defense that's really taken a step back. I'll give Hurts, you know, a little bit, a little bit of uh, an applause because one of his biggest and, you know, most rightfully so critiques is he's not a very good runner at quarterback. All those touchdowns and yards are from the tush push or he's not actually doing anything. It's Jason Kelsey. But these last few weeks, I've seen him run from, you know, 10 yards out into the end zone, actually doing what he should do that we've seen other quarterbacks that he tries to emulate, like a Daniel Jones, a Cam Newton, even a Mike a Mike Vick, those type of guys that like to what run. What was that first name? <laughs> I, I think someone was in there that wasn't supposed to be in there. Are, is Daniel Jones not the vanilla Vick? Is he not a prolific <laughs> runner? A quarterback over the last Listen, I think prolific when you stumble trigger. over yourself, you don't get to be described as prolific. I'm sorry. He's good. He's a good mobile quarterback. I can't call him prolific after that. That, that happened in so, Philly, too. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows if they put, like, nails in the on, in the turf or something. I wouldn't put it past them. Dom, but, Dom was messing with the field. Dom was. He was making but, sure it was secure. What I'm getting at is all these guys that are, you know, mobile quarterbacks, the Lamar Jacksons, name them, Russ. Mahomes, Josh Allen, they'll take a ball from 10, 15 yards out and run, right? That's not something you typically see Hurts do. He tends to give it to the running back. He'll throw it, but he won't take it himself if it's not, you know, within a couple yards. But he's starting to do that more, as he should, and he's really good at it. So the Eagles offense, I think, is going to benefit more. I'm sure A.J. Brown's going to be in his ear now again, telling him he needs the ball more. And please give it to AJ Brown for my fantasy team's sake. Same, please. <laughs> like nobody else should get any receiving yards. But the Eagles are gonna be fine. I'm just concerned because they do have a lot of fraudulent esque wins. They're kind of similar to the Vikings of last year, where a lot of their wins are in one possession games, close games. They're not really dominating other opponents, but they're winning. And again, a win's a win. Doesn't matter how ugly it is. But the Niners are the best team they've faced all year. And the Eagles didn't look like they belonged on the same field as them. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do against Dallas because Dallas is in a similar boat where Dallas has steamrolled bad teams. The best win Dallas has is a six-win team. And that's Seattle and the uh, the thing was the Rams where yeah. Dallas beat them and they six wins. That's not very good. That's not beating good teams. Dallas has lost to the Eagles and the Niners. And the Cardinals. So, yes, and the Cardinals. I was going <laughs> to gloss over that for their sake because they're not a good team. But Dallas needs to win this game. Philly needs to win this game to prove some haters wrong. But if Philly loses, I think you're going to start to hear talks of, you know, a bit of a free fall. Well, here's the thing, Corey. I mean, even in the NFL, even the bad teams in the NFL are still good, like no, in, in a sense. No, wait, in a sense, we... these are. I mean, in a sense, these are pro <laughs> players. In a, in the, in the sense, these are pro players. Like they're still trying to win games, 
And obviously, like anybody can win a game. So that's the thing. You have, you know, it's not like one team's going in, like they're still each team's trying to win. And sometimes, you know, you you place a, a team and they're supposed to try to win, it's and they get close. And what happens is the good team always pulls the win off, even if it's not pretty, because that's that's what good teams do. They 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 win even in close games. Because you gotta put out, I mean, they Sunday, may not right? be it may not be a steamroll, it may not be a blowout, but like not every not every game's gonna be like that. It's a long season. But the other team's still trying, and good teams win the close games. Did you see the uh, recent stat that came out about team luck over the last three years where it takes into account uh, teams missing field goals and extra points, hitting long field goals and extra points against you, drop touchdowns, drop passes, and those things that could be considered lucky or unlucky? Well, you know, I don't know if you can quantify that. I'll I'll text it to you guys. But, but here, what is luck other than just putting yourself in a position to be lucky? Like you have to be good enough to put yourself, you have to put yourself in that position. Watching Sam Howell miss an open receiver at the two yard line for a game winning touchdown isn't putting yourself in a position to win. But you know what? You know, sometimes though, I'd rather be lucky than good though. Yeah. I mean, the luckiest <laughs> team over the last three seasons has been the Packers. Followed by the Giants, Chargers, Eagles, and Seahawks are the are the five most lucky teams in the league, based off of uh, was it dropped interception by an opponent or yourself, dropped pass by yourself or an opponent, field goals and extra points made or missed, and fumble recoveries. Is that just luck, or is that just the other team being bad? Well, it's you and the other team. So, like, if a team hits a sixty-three yarder against you to win the game. That's good. pure luck. That's not them being good or bad. I, you have to have a pr- you have to be pretty big. good to to hit a sixty-three yard field goal. Indies, by the way, in the middle of the pack towards the most unlucky. Exactly. It's like we all. Is their ninth or tenth on the unlucky list? Just middle of the road. That's us. So I mean, in, we're hanging out. Shouldn't you be more lucky since you got the horseshoe? You would think. <laughs> The, 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 and the fact we had a quarterback yeah. whose last name literally was Luck might have been the most one of the most unluckiest players. Yep. Though the biggest thing on this, the the Colts are pretty positive, but their biggest We're number negative, one in the top of the irony list. Fumble recoveries by either team. Teams recover fumbles at an unreal rate against the Colts, apparently. And the Colts lose a lot of fumbles. Yep, that's true. Sound right? Yeah, I saw. I was watching the game highlights because I was working on Sunday. It's, it's <laughs> that happened this past week. So it's just luck isn't a quantifiable thing, but a lot of these good teams, like the Eagles, are lucky. And as eventually that luck's going to run out, and you're going to have to go with your talent. And it's just going to be tough. The Eagles start are going to need to start pulling away and showing dominance if you're going to have much faith in them come the playoffs. I think it goes beyond just – I think it's getting to the playoffs and where they're going to land because the reason really why we're talking about Philly in this sort of context is if they lose to Dallas, that door is wide open for Dallas and San Francisco to either steal the one seed and or the division from them. If the and Eagles lose to Dallas, Dallas is leading the division exactly. after that game. So this is, this is big time. But let's go to the – bottom of the nfc playoff picture right now because you mentioned them earlier the los angeles rams are up to six wins right now they're in the playoffs and they've done it with kind of navigating a lot of injuries matthew stafford has missed time 
Kyron Williams has missed time. I don't know how often Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua have been on the field together this season. It seems when one comes back, the other one gets hurt. They're yeah. exiting the game, whether to come back. So Sean McVay has this team right in the thick of things. And that's again, what moving on from Jalen Ramsey and some other players, they're four and one in their division right now. They swept Seattle. Who's currently out of the playoffs right now. Green Bay's on a surge as well. They have some great wins in recent weeks. But it's Nick the Rams. I think for a bad loss. They're due for Green Bay. Yeah, I want Green Bay. I look the at Rams your are also this week. You know, you should wait to see if we win this one. My background will be going into Christmas. <laughs> but uh, the Rams are also due for a bad loss in a couple of weeks. I'm just going to put that out there. They could be due. They have Baltimore this week, so this is a big test for Los Angeles now. And is the Sean McVay squad are they back or was this just kind of flirting with it? So we'll see what the Rams. They're back. McVay's a great coach. I, I think they're back. I mean, they just got the running back back. I mean, and he's been on fire when he whenever when he's healthy, he's 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 on fire. Left him on my bench for that forty point performance. So did there. I. Yeah, I left. Ryan, I put my IR spot for that week. So that's what I, I did too. Bench. Ryan, did you too? You said I think we all that all three of us do it. I had. Are you talking about Stafford? No, uh, no, Kyron. Kyron, Kyron yeah, Kyron was yeah, on we my all bench all of us did it the yep. week he came back. I Yo, having that, having the uh, the cup Puka Kyron stack, it's a rough go of it. It's low chances to have him, but you could, if the Rams have a good offensive day. I mean, is it going to be anyone besides those three? Probably I one not. time tried to run out those three, and then I had to stream Stafford as my quarterback, and it was a bad, bad week. It's a bad week to be Corey. Hopefully, this week's better. Hopefully. All right, let's go into Outsiders of the Week here. I said real quick in that last segment that Green Bay has been on a surge, and it's been a big part of the reason why are these young receivers. So I want to highlight all of them. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Outside of Christian Watson, he's kind of become a big name the last two years. But Romeo Dobbs, uh, Malik Heath, Jaden Reed, who Ben did mention a few weeks ago, he was his outsider pick and Notravian Wicks, as well as, I mean, A.J. Dillon out of the backfield. I mean, that was the best I've seen. I don't know what the fantasy production was, but actually watching A.J. Dillon, I was pretty impressed with his uh, performance this past week. So all those young guys for Jordan Love, they've really been pulling up lately. So credit to the young uh, skill position group up in Green Bay. I just don't believe in Jordan Love. Is that is that wrong to say? I don't with think that background. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah. He's collecting the uh, it's like a graveyard almost. The graves of the the graves of the cheese heads that's coming come and gone. Who's your outsider, Corey? <laughs> you, you guys don't you don't have enough wins to be talking like this. You know what? I would my original background was gonna be Jim Mora's playoffs uh podium. <laughs> I just couldn't get one that would uh that would have fit. You should have got the video playing in the background. That would have been too distracting. But I'm going to go Harrison Bryant, the tight end from the the Browns. Him and Joe Flacco connected pretty well. He went five for five for 49 yards and a touchdown. On the season, he's got 10 receptions. So half of them came in this game with Flacco, a quarterback, not throwing to one of my tight ends, David Njoku. That's Ryan's favorite player right now who you just picked. Harrison's favorite. favorite. I got a a hefty three points from Njoku this week. You got three points out of him? I got zero. You're not PPR? Uh, not in that league. Oh, that's rough. Damn. My my outsider 
someone you might be hearing a lot more of lately because Christian Kirk has heard is is a Jacksonville's receiver Parker Washington, who is also a Penn State guy. And if Brian knows, I I like my Penn State players. But you know, it was even though on the loss, it was his basically he had his first career catches, first career touchdown, all in that game. He had he went six for six, sixty-one yards, and one touchdown. And kind of, it kind of did the most. It kind of took away some stuff from Calvin Ridley there and everything. And you might be seeing more of him now with Christian Kirk down, and maybe he might break out more. I mean, who knows? But it might be we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll go back down because Trevor Lawrence is out. So who knows? But definitely, you know, helped the Jack Jacksonville out a lot, but they couldn't get the W. Yeah, that that touchdown catch was really cool. That bobbling circus grab from Parker Washington. Definitely a name to keep an eye on. As we move forward and moving forward, we will to the next week of NFL action. The game I'm, I guess, looking forward to, but in sort of a sadistic way, <laughs> is the Thursday night matchup, the infamous night for football matchups. And we got a spicy one this week. The New England Patriots, who have given up the least amount of points the last couple of weeks and has resulted in zero wins because their offense is that putrid, travels to Pittsburgh to take on uh, the Steelers who will be led by Mitch Trubisky. This game is going to set offense back at least two or three decades. And I'm here for it. Is Mac Jones still starting? I don't even know. I don't think so. I think it's Bailey Zappi or uh, who's the other guy? Cunningham. Malik Cunningham has been up and down off the roster, off the practice squad. I don't even know how many times I couldn't tell you where he is. Don't be a coward, Bill. Start Did you him. see in the Start Amazon him, graphic when they were like showcasing the players for the thing? They didn't even know the showcase. <laughs> Bill Belichick's going to get on that passes? field himself at this point. How many forward passes do we see in this game? You got good running backs, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, if he plays. I'm going to say two. They're gonna pull the. They're gonna pull a Michigan and run the ball like thirty something straight times in a row. That's why JJ McCarthy is my Heisman. There's gonna be more defensive touchdowns, I think, than offensive touchdowns in this game. Potential streamers. My uh, game of the week, though, the one I'm looking forward to that isn't gonna suck is Bucks Falcons. Wait a minute, Art Smith offense. <laughs> hey now, hey now. Come on, Bijan. Pitts. Bijan, Bijan, Bijan. I'm sorry, you this week. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Well, you know, winner of this game, there is five and seven bucks, six and six Falcons. Winner of this game is going to be in first place in the division based off of divisional wins in their, you know, their record. And that's going to be really interesting because we could have a losing record team win the division again in the NFC South. And that's going to be really fun. I don't think either of these teams are particularly good. So it's going to be fun watching Baker and uh, Desmond Ritter duel it out. My, my, watching Baker and Mike Evans. That's true. Mike that's, is Mike real quick before we get to John's game. Is Mike Evans the best player in in Tampa Bay history? I was thinking about this. No, I think no. He might pretty be. emphatic. He's no, Warren right Sapp now. is a real person that exists. Warren Sapp's awesome, but Mike Evans. This is like his tenth straight year of a thousand receiving, and no yards. one talks about it. Yeah, yeah, because the the previous record was six, I think. Yeah, it's ten now. He just keeps passing it. It doesn't matter who's thrown on the ball. He's just awesome. Yeah, think about who he went with. Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Pretty sure he was there when uh was it Josh Freeman was the quarterback. Yeah. How's that not impressive? It's very impressive. You still taking Warren Sapp over him though? 
Well, one's in the Hall of Fame and one isn't yet. One's gonna be. Kevin's like still playing. Yeah, but he he will. But I still think Warren Sapp is a. Uh, so you got to wait till Evans gets inducted first. Show me eleven years and then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, go ahead with your game. Well, my one's going to be no surprise. It's going to be Eagles at the Cowboys, which is I probably one of the most important games, most anticipated games this week. Because whoever wins this is probably going to end up winning the NFC East, possibly going to be first in the NFC as a whole at some point. And I mean, obviously, this is a big one for the Eagles. I mean, they win this, you know, you know, maybe shut up some of the Cowboys fans. <laughs> That's not happening. Yeah. No, they'll still talk, but, you know, maybe they'll quiet down a little bit. I hope, at least I hope. Hopefully a little bit. I know certainly the most anticipated game this week, but I think one of the most anticipated games the entire season, having this rivalry on Sunday night football and getting to this point in the year and having it mean something like Bengals and Jaguars ended up being exciting, but without Burrow and you look at the records, it ended up working out, but it wasn't as enticing as it was planned to be, but this one's certainly living up to the building thus far. Let's hope the game itself delivers because we'll be back next week to talk about it. All right, outsiders, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the outsider sports football podcast. Join us next week when we cover all that action. Continue updating you on the NFL playoff race. Check us out on Twitter at Outsider Sports 3 for all of our content going up, whether it's the shows here on YouTube or Spotify or our content like my uh, Outsider Sports football column every week on our website, www.outsidersports.net. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week.